0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. We are kicking off a brand new series for the month of February called At the Table. Somebody say, At the Table. I love this because our word for the year is freedom. And last month we spoke on how to be free in so many different areas of our lives. Free in our mind, free in our habits. We talked about being connected to the truth and truth sets us free. I wanted to spend the entire month of February talking about freedom in our relationships, okay? And so at the table is a picture of the relational equity that each one of us has. So today, just to give you a little layout of the series, I want to introduce this topic. And and really the, the, the question that we're going to answer today is this, is Jesus at your table? Is Jesus at your table? Come next week because we're going to talk about romantic relationships. And Rachel, my wife, is going to share the stage with me. We're going to do a little tag team. Uh, We're going to talk about dating relationships, talking about if you're engaged. We're going to talk about married relationships, or, man, if you have a desire to share life with someone, so don't forget that. Next week is going to be awesome. You don't want to miss that. After that, we're going to talk about friendships, how to have healthy, life-giving friendships and then the last installment that we're going to finish this series and we're going to talk about family relationships come on how many of you have a little crazy in your family (laughs) yeah if you didn't raise your hand and you can't think of anybody crazy in your family it might be you come on somebody i'm going to do my best to preach and teach this message from the table, okay? I know this is a stretch because I got so much energy in me. There's so much fire ADDA, ADDDHD. I hope that this chair has a seatbelt, all right? Uh, I'm gonna try to sit at the table to give you a picture of the importance. Why would we call this series at the table? You know this to be true, okay? Especially in South Louisiana. Do you know one of my favorite things? because I'm from the Midwest. I, I was born and raised in Missouri in the heartland of America. But then when I was in the ninth grade, my parents moved down here to the bayou. And man, it was like a culture shock. I mean, it was like a shift in my understanding and in and, and my thinking. So much of our time in South Louisiana is spent around the table. Can I have a good amen? I the only thing that would have been better is me to have a long table, put out some newspaper, and dump some crawfish out here, but then y'all would be so jealous of me having to watch me eat crawfish right in front of you. so much time that we spend with people is centered around the table. Family dinner is a big deal. Having your family together to rehearse the day, to share moments together, to experience one another, the fellowship around family dinner. Uh, I thought about Sunday lunch. How many of you have a routine every Sunday? You go get lunch after church. You don't? (laughs) Listen, y'all are still fasting. For the month of January, we talked about fasting. The month of February, it's feasting. Come on, talk to me. (laughs) Date nights. how many of you have date nights? (laughs) Y'all need to come next Sunday. Y'all need date nights. When you sit around a table and you share your dreams and, man, you lean into one another. Um, I, I thought about even coffee shops. When you, when you go to the coffee shop and, man, you build a friendship, it's, it's around a table. How many of you remember back in junior high the middle school cafeteria? The drama around the lunch table in middle school. What table are you going to sit at? Or will you be at the Populars? Or, or, you know, will you be with the jocks? Or will you be with the who's who's? And all the dynamics that come with the table. I remember in high school when I first declared my love to Rachel at a table on Essen Lane under the Golden Arches. I was knocking down a double quarter pounder with cheese telling her, baby, I can't live without you. You know, three of my favorite phrases, okay? I I thought about this this weekend. Three of my favorite phrases. The the, the first one, I love you. Somebody say, I love you. Isn't it great to be on the receiving end of that? Ah, I love you. That's a great phrase. You know what else is a great phrase? I'm sorry. I've told Rachel, I love you 10,000 times. I've told her I'm sorry 10 million times. I I love you, I'm sorry, but then here's a third great phrase, and perhaps my favorite, where are we going to eat? (laughs) Some of you are texting that person next to you right now thinking, hey, what's the plan? What's the dinner plan? I'm getting hungry already. Uh, You know, food becomes the centerpiece of our lives. This table represents nourishment, not just physically, but emotionally spiritually, relationally. Think about it. Every happy time, every happy moment in our life is connected to food, right? Somebody graduates from high school or college. Guess what? We're going to eat somewhere. You have a baby. Guess what? Somebody's going to bring over a meal to you. Every happy moment is connected to food. Every sad moment is connected to food. Somebody's sick and in the hospital. Well, I'm going to bring over a casserole, Bring somebody bring you a meal. You lose a loved one or a family member, they gather around and you break bread together. Every happy moment, every sad moment, and every moment in between is connected to the table. And so for this series, I'm so excited to talk about the dynamics of the table and the relationships that you and I experience in life. This is so important. Do you know in, in biblical days, in ancient Jewish culture, the table is what brought people together. Different backgrounds, different experiences, there was commonality around a table. For the Jews, the table represented intimacy. It represented a shared experience. There was this thing called fellowship. When you eat with somebody, you receive them and they're receiving you. Does this make sense? The, the table was a big deal. It also represented joy. How many of your food makes you happy? Oh man, I have discovered that my attitude is directly proportional to my food intake. When I hear Rachel say, it's time to eat, Woo! man, the adrenaline, the endorphins, it's a great day. The table represents intimacy, fellowship, joy, the sharing of ideas. The table, in fact, ancient rabbis, Jewish rabbis said this, that it was impossible to separate God from mealtime. And it was so much more than just saying the blessing before you eat. But for, for the Jews, the table represented a chance to teach their children about the Torah, in fact, the Jewish tradition was that if you shared a meal but didn't talk about Torah, then you were wasting an opportunity. It's where we pass on the values that are important to us to our children. How many of you know we've lost that in modern times? We've gotten away from the sanctity of the table. We're just so busy. If we eat together as a family, it's normally in the car going through the drive through at Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody or else we're on some digital device and we've got our nose down instead of our head up and our hearts opened. I want you to understand this. Nothing can bless your life like a good relationship. I, I don't consider myself wealthy by monetary value, but if wealth were measured by relationships, I feel like I'm the richest guy in the world. God has blessed my life with so many significant, life-giving, encouraging, and challenging relationships. Nothing can bless you like a great relationship, but watch this, nothing can crush you like a bad relationship. And I know that even in this room and those that are watching at other campuses, there's a lot of brokenness and pain that's associated with relationships. And that's why if we're going to talk about freedom, the spirit that we move forward in this year, we have to take some time to walk through some relationship breakdowns, some difficulties. Some of you know the struggle of a relationship with a child. Maybe it's been strained or even severed. Some of you have carried brokenness on a marriage that you thought would last forever, but you were shocked to find out that this was over. You know, that there's nothing that can crush you like a bad relationship. There's nothing that can bless you like a good relationship. And I, I want to I pick out three tables in the Bible that will teach us about how to handle relationships in life, who to share life with, who to include around your table. I think this is some of the most important things we'll, we'll talk about. You know, as you're raising your children, who they have at their table is super important. You know, who they invite into their lives. And sometimes as adults, we, we teach our children about that. We've got to model that. We've got to be very calculated and careful who sits around our table. I told you this several weeks ago. When you're born, you look like your parents. But when you die, you look like your relationships. Let, let, let that sink for just a moment. It'll show you the power of the table. If you have your Bibles, look at Psalm chapter 23. And I want to give you the the first table. These are popular tables. You'll recognize this. If you've been in church for any amount of time, maybe if you're brand new to the faith, uh, maybe you don't even have a relationship with God, you'll still recognize some of these tables in the scripture. The first table I thought about is found in Psalm chapter 23. This is a a famous psalm. You know, the psalmist David, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now watch what he says in verse 5. You prepare a table. Somebody say a table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of of my enemies." Now, if you're taking notes, and I think this is important, I want you to jot a few things down. Number one, you were made to have great relationships. You were made to have great relationships. God's plan and his purpose for you, when he designed you, it wasn't so you could solo flight this thing called life. No, it was built for relationships. He made you and me to experience great relationships. The Bible says he prepares a table before us. That word table in the Hebrew, it it paints the picture of bounty and blessings and feast. God is preparing a bountiful table in front of you. Hear me, church. It's hard for me to sit in this seat. It's hard for me to sit down. God's heart drips with abundance for you. I mean abundance. We serve a God who does exceedingly abundantly above. And when it comes to your table, he has prepared a bountiful table, a feast. In other words, there's so much food, nourishment, and resource available that you can't just have one seat at the table. Can I have a good amen? God's saying, I'm going to bring great relationships into your life, and then I'm going to resource you and supply you with everything you need. Oh, this is so good. I love this picture because God is preparing the table. He's the host. I'm going to give you bountiful feast. I'm going to supply people in your life that will add to you and multiply God's goodness to you. Mama said there were four kinds of people in life. Those who add, those who subtract, those who multiply, and those who divide. God wants to bring people who will add and multiply goodness to you. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor. You said that he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now listen, God not only prepares the table, but he pays for the meal too. He, out of his bounty, is going to resource you with people at school, people at work, people in your neighborhood, people at the church who are going to speak life to you even in the presence of your enemies. You say, Mike, what about the enemies? Uh, Here's the picture God's trying to create. In spite of conflict, in spite of adversity, God is going to be gracious to you. Now, let me tell you a little, when God set me free as it relates to relationship, I'll never forget when God freed me, he delivered me from having to be liked by everybody. Can I tell you, people pleasing is such a bondage. And especially as a pastor, it is impossible. You can't please everybody. But if you aim to please the Lord, come on. God is going to resource you with people that will help you to be pleasing to him and not worry about the rest of them. Oh, this is so good. In spite of conflict, in spite of adversity, God's going to prepare a table for you right in the presence of opposition and struggle. Now, let me say this. When you have such a bountiful table, okay, consider this. When you have more that you need, Build a longer table. Don't build higher fences. Sometimes we take our wealth and our abundance and we want to build a fence and just keep it to ourselves. Can I tell us? The blessing that's on us is not just for us. God's saying, build a longer table. Put some seats around that table. I'm going to resource you with relationships that will bless you. God, you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, notice the second half of this verse. He says this, and God, you will anoint my head with oil so that my cup will just overflow. What's he talking about? Now, David was a shepherd, okay, tending his father's sheep. Oh, I got to stand up on this one. Got to stand up on this one. David was a shepherd who cared for his father's sheep and he knew that during the summer heat, You know, that there were swarms of insects and flies and gnats and mosquitoes that would attack the sheep. In fact, there was a nasal fly that would get up into the mucus, the lining of the mucus of the nose of a sheep and just drive it crazy. And there was nothing the sheep could do to get rid of those gnats and mosquitoes. And so a sheep would thrash around and hit his head up and down on the ground, almost to the point of killing himself. So the shepherd took some linseed oil and some sulfur and some tar and made an ointment and would anoint the head of that sheep to deliver it from the torment of that fly. Can I tell you this? God will anoint you to keep crazy away from you. Come, Some of you keep hitting your head. Come on now, you know where I'm going with this. Some of you, there are people that are just driving you crazy. God said, not only am I going to prepare a table, I'm going to give you the right relationships, but I'm going to put an anointing on you so you won't be tormented by people who want to drive you crazy. This banqueting table, relationships, who is around your table? What are you looking for in a relationship? Life-giving relationships ought to bring encouragement, accountability, strength, help, uh, 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 prayer, uh, all of these. What are you looking for at your table? Number one, you were made to have great relationships. Now let's look at this second table, John chapter two. John chapter two, verse 14, the Bible says this. In the temple area, Jesus saw merchants selling cattle and sheep and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Verse 15, Jesus made a whip. Oh, I like that. Jesus made a whip from some ropes. He chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and he turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house Into a marketplace. Can somebody say, my, my, my? Oh, we like the Psalm 23 version of the table a whole lot better. But what's Jesus doing here? He's turning over some tables. Here's what I want you to write down. Number two, don't sit at a table that Jesus would turn over. Now we're talking about friendships here. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about people that could either bless you or people that'll drive you crazy. Why was Jesus so upset at this moment in the temple? If you know anything about Jewish history, once a year they celebrated Passover. And at the Passover feast, all of Israel would come to Jerusalem to celebrate. Many had to take a pilgrimage, walk long distances, and bring their families with them. Now, in order to celebrate Passover, they had to offer a sacrificial animal. Well, many of them couldn't either afford it or they couldn't travel such a great distance with an animal to sacrifice. So once they got to the temple in Jerusalem, they bought their sacrifices there. Here's what was happening. In order to buy a sacrifice, you had to use temple currency. They traveled from all over, but they had to change their money to temple currency. And these money changers were raising the exchange rate and they were taking advantage of God's precious people who were coming to worship him. That's why Jesus was so upset. The Bible says he threw a temple tantrum. Jesus threw down in the temple. I love this because this kind of flies in the face of the image we have of Jesus. We like to picture this nice, gentle Jesus, this sweet, loving, uh, almost apologetic Jesus. He's this frail kind of human being that's carrying a lamb and little children are are playing uh, bring around the rosy at his feet. But the Bible says Jesus made a whip. Hey, a man's man makes a whip and Jesus threw down in the temple. You know what he was doing? He turned over those tables because people were being taken advantage of. Let me let me just say this. Some of you are struggling in your relationships because you're trying to sit at a table that you don't belong at. You're trying to find a place and a space and Jesus said, that table's not for you. In fact, Jesus is trying to turn over that table, and you're thinking, man, why is my life in chaos? Because you're trying to sit at something that Jesus says you got no business being at. You sit at the table of comparison. It's getting quiet in here. Or, or maybe you, you, you sit at the table of insecurity thinking that, well, this group will validate me. And insecurity leads to comparison, and comparison creates jealousy. And you wonder why there's so much strife in relationships at work. Oh, I mean, you, you're scrolling through Facebook and you're trying to keep up with the with the Joneses. And Jesus is saying, You sitting at the wrong table. He's saying, Don't be yoked to the wrong folk. Come on, somebody. You wonder why there's no peace, and Jesus is saying, Because I've made a whip. Maybe you have sat at a table that you thought, man, these people are going to be my friends, and they rejected you. Can I talk about this for a second? Listen, they weren't rejecting you. God was protecting you. God said, you didn't need to be associated with that. I'm turning that table over, and man, it feels like chaos, but I want you to know you'll never be fed at that table. Mm -mm -mm. this is a big deal because you'll never settle into a place where God's saying I've got a different space for you that's not the table that I put you around you know think about this if you're at a wrong table It's going to create chaos and confusion in your life. You will have no rest. You will have no peace. There will be no nourishment to your soul. The banqueting table of Psalm 23 now all of a sudden is directly opposed to John chapter 2. Some of you, God's saying, you need to set some boundaries in your life. Can I tell you, boundaries are a good thing. Parents, do we not set boundaries for our children? Why do we build a fence and say, hey, play in the backyard, but don't go outside the fence? Well, that's not for their restriction, it's for their protection. Why do we put an infant in a car seat? How many of you know they didn't have car seats back in our day? You know what the car seat was? Mama's arm bar. Boom. How many of you, that was the car seat you grew up with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, all of the, today, now you're going to put them in a car seat, a five point harness why do we do that well that car seat is a boundary it's to protect them listen if we will create boundaries for the physical well-being of our children don't you think it's smart to create some relational boundaries for your emotional well-being this is a big deal can i tell you this you can forgive people without accepting them back into your life. Forgiveness does not mean total acceptance and best friends and yeah, we're gonna do like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you, you can forgive them and release them. Come on, somebody say, apology accepted. Say, access denied. Come on, say that again, say, apology accepted. (laughs) Say, access denied. You need some boundaries in your life because you're sitting at a table that Jesus said, "Now nah, I'm about to turn that thing over. Hey, you say, "Well, pastor, what if I upset people by setting boundaries? Do you know? I'm trying to set somebody free today, okay? I'm preaching from my own pain, all right? You can tell this is personal to me. <laughs> the only people that will be upset with you for setting boundaries... Are the ones who've been taken advantage of you for not having any boundaries in the first place? How? Oh! What table are you sitting at that God's trying to turn over? Man, back away from that table. Let God eliminate some people from your life and then let's find the right table to lean into. There's a, there's a feast. There's a banquet that God has available to us. God wants you to have rich relationships. But don't sit at a table that Jesus is turning over. You'll never know who doesn't need to be at your table until you decide what you're looking for in a friendship and relationship. God's wanting to set us free. Now, here's the last table. Number, number three, look, look at the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 14. The scripture says, it, let me hustle. So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Verse 15, he will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. This is one of the most popular tables. This is called the Lord's table. Now notice who prepared this one. Jesus sent his disciples ahead to prepare the meal. The Psalm 23 table, God prepares. Oh, I love what, watch this. Watch how the Holy Spirit's gonna weave this together. God prepared the Psalm 23 table. Even in the presence of our enemies, this spread was before us. And now on this final night, Jesus knew that his life on earth was coming to an end. The final time he would be with his disciples, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to gather around the table. And he says, I want you to go ahead and prepare the meal. You know, at the Lord's Supper, we we celebrate the bread and the cup. That is the food of covenant making. Jesus now is establishing a covenant. Again, this was Passover. But Jesus would change, forever change, how believers would celebrate Passover with the Lord's table. Jesus wants a place at our table. I guess the best way to frame this last point is in the form of a question. Does Jesus have a seat at your table? Have you made room for Jesus at your table? You know none of your relationships will work unless Jesus has a space and a place at your table. None of those horizontal relationships, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a relationship with a child, a coworker, a neighbor, family, none of those relationships will work until you and I give space for Jesus at our table the truth is some of us are having a hard time in our relationships because we haven't made room for him Jesus said this in Revelation 3 he says look I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking Jesus is knocking he's on the outside he doesn't break the door down but he knocks the invitation to you and to me Jesus is on the outside will you let him in The scripture says this, if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in. And what am I going to do? I'm going to sit with you at the table and I'm going to share a meal. You see, this is the holy exchange. You say, pastor, you mean to tell me Jesus wants a seat at my table? I don't feel worthy. I've got too much brokenness in my life. I've got too much baggage in my life. I've got so much bondage. Would Jesus want a place at my table? Can I tell you this? Jesus isn't looking for a perfect table, but he's looking for one with an open seat. He's looking for you and for me to make room for him. And if we would invite Jesus into that marriage, Relationship. If we would invite Jesus into that relationship with that child that's struggling, invite Jesus into that thing with your coworkers or with your, your friends or your neighbor. When you bring Jesus at the table, it changes everything. And let me tell you this. Here, here's probably the most important table of all. When you invite Jesus to your table, he says, I have a table for you. eternity it's called the marriage supper of the lamb revelation talks about at the end of time when God's enemies are defeated there will be a banqueting table where the church is united forever with Christ and we will celebrate you say pastor I got to get to that table the only way to get to that table is if you invite him to your table first. Amen. Do you receive that? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.